you so much for your faithfulness to us, Lord. We worship you. We pray tonight you'd speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 It's good to see you all tonight. All right. We've got some wind. Hopefully this wind isn't going to make my life too miserable with all these things flying all over the place. Um, so I know some of you are here in the parking lot, some of you are listening on the radio, some of you are listening through uh, the different uh, streams we have going on. We want to welcome you all to our Wednesday night service. We're going through the book of Revelation, and uh, we're going to be in chapter uh, 21, uh, the end of chapter 20, excuse me. And the title of the study is going to be The Day Man Answers to God. So that's where we're going to be um, studying. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. Uh, But I just want to uh, remind you that this coming Sunday, um, we'll be out here at 945, um, both with the stream and on air, and then also um, a drive-in. And so we we hope to be making some announcements on Sunday about moving to some more regular type services. It'll be a transition in, so you can keep us in prayer for that as we uh, make those decisions and we seek the face of the Lord on this um, and we just make a good decision. And um, we know that if we're led by the Lord, it will be a good decision. But let's go ahead and pray and then we're going to jump straight into the study there in Revelation 20. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. Wherever we are able to gather, Lord, it is far more than we deserve. It is a blessing. It is a privilege. And so this evening, Lord, as we gather here um, out in our parking lot, windy night, a little cold, we're still very, very thankful. And we know that your word is alive. Um, Lord, we pray that it would just go forth as it ought um, through this vessel, through me, that you would empty me of all myself and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might teach as just a mouthpiece of yours. And we thank you that we have your word that is instructive. But Lord, we pray that as we come to this most sobering passage in Scripture, that our hearts would be ready to receive it. We would allow ourselves to be moved um, to compassion for the lost, and that, Lord, our hearts would be, if there's anybody listening that does not know you, Lord, you would draw them unto yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we're going to be moving into uh, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, we're going to be talking about the day that man answers to God. And this is, as I just said in my prayer, one of the most sobering passages in Scripture. It, It deals with the day in which God will judge every human being that's ever lived and has rejected his son. And so I know there's maybe some of you that have people that you're praying for, um, I pray that this passage will just stir you up to be reaching out to them. Maybe you could even share this message with them and to see what the Word of God has to say. Well, as we come to Revelation 20, verse 11, the tribulation is over. Those seven years of God pouring out His wrath upon this world, preparing um, to, for His Son to reign upon the earth for a thousand years, that is now over also. And God is preparing to usher in what is called the eternal state. So we have this present age in which we live in. Then there'll be a time on earth for seven years that's known as the Great Tribulation. After that seven-year period, there's going to be a thousand years in which Jesus Christ rules and reigns upon this planet earth. 
And then after that, there'll be a judgment that we're coming to and God's eternal, the eternal state for man to enter into will take place. We begin reading, and let me turn over there. You have to be patient as I get blown around here in my, my uh, Bible. Um, so we pick up reading at verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were that were in it, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So as you can see, I don't think you can find any passage in all of Scripture that is more sobering than this portion right here. So the courtroom is opened. And we have the judge of the universe sitting there on the throne of God. And as he is doing this, this is what um, is called the preparing for the second resurrection. The first resurrection, you'll remember, is the resurrection of those who have faith in Jesus. If you just read a few verses um, earlier in this chapter, it talks about the first resurrection. The first resurrection began with who? It began with Jesus Christ. He is the first fruits. And then after that, there were some that were found walking around the streets of Jerusalem whose graves had been opened in that same kind of uh, event after he was risen from the dead. Um, then it will be the rapture of the church. There's going to be the two witnesses that are going to be resurrected. Um, you're going to have the, the tribulation saints and the Old Testament saints. They all will be resurrected. And that is an age of resurrection. It's a, it's a resurrection that has been going on for at least 2,000 years. And we can't say how long it's going to go on because it's not over yet. The Lord is still tarrying. But this is the second resurrection. The second resurrection is for all unbelievers who have not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, um, this is not a place you want to be. You don't want to be appearing at this great white throne judgment. The earth has been destroyed by God, and now, um, after that re last rebellion by Satan, after he's loosed out of the uh, abuso, he comes, deceives those men that were, uh, came into the great tribulation um, without faith in the Lord. Uh, they, they've made it in. They are now have had offspring, and these are the ones that have rebelled at the end of the thousand-year reign. God has destroyed that, and now it's time for all people to be judged. Daniel, the prophet, had a vision of this scene. It's in Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10. It says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garments was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery steam issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him, 
Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, look, and the books were opened. And the books were opened. Hey, if I could get one of the staff guys, I left my phone uh, actually on my uh, desk. I don't know. I'll teach like all night long, I guess, if I don't have that. But um, if you could get that, I'd appreciate it. So Daniel sees this same vision, the time in which people are going to be judged. And we note that there were books opened. I want you to pay attention that there is a book singular and there are books plural. And it's the books that you don't want to be found in. This records the works of those who have rejected the Lord. We read there in that opening verse that the earth is passing away. The destruction of the created world and rebellious man is being wiped out. Second Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it are burned, will be burned up. And, and we read something about that there in chapter 20 last week. In chapter 20, thank you, appreciate it. There in chapter 20, um, we read in verse 21, it says, And the rest, I'm sorry, back up. Chapter 20, I was in chapter 19. Chapter 20. And um, we read, uh, beginning at verse 7, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, uh, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as, as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp and the saints in the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So it's this judgment that's going to be taking place um, that, that we're reading about here. And the earth is going to be passing away. People are going to be fleeing um, in this judgment. And of course, they have nowhere to go. At, the, at this time in which this judgment happens and the earth is being destroyed, and it's not the kind of destruction that's happened during the Great Tribulation. This is, as Peter says, the earth is just, it's, it's wrapping up. It's done. God's going to create a, a new scene. And it's, that's the time. And that actually, this is the time in which the day of the Lord ends. The day of the Lord, if you remember, is a long period of time. It begins at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. It goes through the thousand-year reign of Christ up until this moment in which the Lord um, pours out his last bit of wrath um, after the thousand-year reign. And so it's a terrible time. Um, but what about for the believers? Well, there's no issue for the believers. Believers are secure in Jesus, and they will never be tempted again. They can never fall away. What we read, though, still here in that verse 11, is that, and there is no place found for them. There's no place found. Those who have rejected Jesus Christ will, will, will be without an advocate that will give them entrance into the presence of the Lord. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's that place right there that you've got to make sure you have right in your life before you leave planet Earth. You have to make certain that you are coming to Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the advocate, will make a place for you. 
There'll be a place for you. He'll have, uh, he'll bring you and usher you into heaven. But if you seek to go before the Lord without the advocate Jesus, then as we are reading here in verse 11, you will not find a place. You will not find a place. Well, the evidence is presented there in this courtroom in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Just like what Daniel said, he saw books. And another book, singular, was opened. That's the book of life. And that's where you want your name. You want your name in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. How and who is in the Lamb's book of life? How do they get your name there? Followers of Jesus Christ are in that book of life. These are those that are promised eternal life. And how does one get their name into that book? It is through faith, not through works. It's through putting your your confidence in Jesus Christ, acknowledging that he died on the cross for your sins, and having him wash away your sins. That is how your name is written, into the uh, Lamb's book of life. But what about these books? Well, there's two ways in which people seek to come to God. Only two ways. There's only two ways. You either come by faith, and you'll be accepted, and your name will be in the book of, the li- book of life, or you come through your works and through your deeds, which are written in the books, plural. And there um, is basically you're coming on the basis of yourself. If you come through faith, you're coming on the basis of Jesus Christ. If you come through works, you're coming based upon what you can do. And Scripture is very clear about this. You do not want to come and stand before the Lord on the basis of your own works. Those who come in this place, in this fashion, there will be no, no place for them. No place will be found for the person who comes and says, well, I think I've led a pretty good life. I think at the end, you know, the Lord's just going to open things up and he's going to let everybody in. But that's not going to happen. Can you imagine how, what the son would say to the father if that was the case? I pled with you when I was in the garden that if it were possible, I wouldn't have to drink from this cup of judgment on the cross. And yet you told me it was necessary that I go to the cross. And now if we're going to let people in, why did you have me suffer on the cross? It's not going to happen. So this is how people come, either on the basis of faith that says, I am a sinner, but I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to remove my sin and to give me his righteousness. You see, the standard for getting into heaven is perfection, which I know a lot of you are saying, well, who can make it then? Well, apart from Jesus Christ, nobody. There's only one perfect man who's ever lived, and your life must be like his. And how do we get a hold of that life? It is through faith. And by faith, as we put our faith, as we trust in the Lord, His righteousness is transferred into our spiritual bank accounts. It's the ultimate wire transfer. And Jesus and the Lord have paid all the fees. And it's that perfection, that righteousness, that needs to be transferred from the Lord into your account. Now, if you come another way, you're, you, whether, no matter what you think, no matter how you may fill in your mind, what Scripture says, if you come any other way through Jesus Christ, you're coming through the way of works. Why is that? Because there's only way, the only God will judge based upon the works or will be judged upon faith. So not everybody's name is going to be in the 
book of life, only those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so the Lord will go to those books and he'll find the name of those that have been called up before him. And as he goes through, he'll find their name and he'll begin to look at their deeds and see what kind of life they lived. Now what the Bible says that if we do not continue everything that is written in the commandments of God, then a curse will be upon us. So every unrighteous deed will be recorded there. And every one of those deeds in and of themselves is enough to keep us separated from God because iniquity separates us from a holy God. But he's made the provision, so don't get upset at him. He's made the provision through an offering of love in his son Jesus Christ. Now when men appear before the Lord and those deeds are written that are in the books, there'll be some way in which God alone knows that he will pass a sentence upon them. But you know, the Bible indicates, we don't get a lot of information, but we get an indication from Scripture that some deeds will be worse than others. Let me read to you from Luke 20, uh, 12, verses 47 through 48. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself for, or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So there's harsher judgments that are going to come upon people based upon their knowledge and based upon their deeds. Again in John 19, 11, Jesus answered and said, You have no power against me except it were given you from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto you has a greater sin. So there you can commit greater sins and have a greater judgment. Now, the Bible doesn't give us any further details on that. But in those books will be recorded the deeds. And God, in his own system of, of justice that he knows and is familiar with, will judge people who have rejected Jesus Christ. But don't find any comfort in, well, that's not bad. I'll live a good life and just see what happens. Because what Scripture says is for all who are separated from the Lord, it'll be a place of torment for all of eternity. So this is not to offer um, some kind of you know, secondary alternative. It's all judgment. But the Lord does indicate some will receive a stricter judgment than others. Does this mean that a believer's life and the way in which he lives does not matter? Because if it's only the unbeliever who has to worry about his works and I put my faith and trust in Jesus and then I go live however I want to, God forbid. Absolutely not. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Okay, so you can't get to the Lord based upon your works. But that doesn't mean that as believers, we should not care how we live our lives. Because prior to this great white throne judgment, there is another judgment that happens. And this happens somewhere around the time of the rapture of the church. At that judgment, which is often referred to as the Bema Seat judgment, this is a judgment of, of believers' works, not believers' souls. Great white throne judgment is a judgment on souls based upon their works. 
But for us, our soul is taken care of in Jesus Christ. But we still should be very mindful of the way in which we live our lives. God pays attention to believers. You know, if you just look at the chapters 2 and 3, seven times to the seven churches, Jesus said, I know your works. He knows where you put your time, your energy. He knows what is a priority in your life. And we will stand and our works will be judged. Our souls are taken care of because we put faith in Jesus. But right here at the great white throne, the works will be what they are judged upon, and that will result in everlasting separation. I just want to ask you, where is your name written? Is it in the book of life? Or is it in the books that record the deeds and the sins of every person and everyone that's ever committed, and every deed that's been committed? You don't want to stand before God and say, look, here I am, I'm not bad. I'm not that bad. And he might say, you're right, you're not that bad. But it still will be judgment because you rejected my son. You rejected the offering that I gave for eternal life. There's no place in heaven for you because the one who can let you in, the advocate, you said no to. So what does a person need to do to get their name in the book of life? Well, a group of people asked a question quite similar to that, a little different, but they asked that question of Jesus in John chapter 6. And in verses 27 and 29, he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, Listen, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who sent. That is the work, is faith and trusting in the Lord. When we put our faith and trust in the Lord, all of our unrighteous deeds, I mean, this is great news, all of our unrighteous deeds, not just the ones that are tolerable to most people, but the most wicked, the most hidden, the most secret of all our deeds are forgiven by the Lord. Colossians 2, 13 through 14 says that he has wiped out the handwriting of requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having it nailed it to the cross. Can you, can you get this picture in your mind? As Jesus went to the cross, the, the, knowing who would put his faith and trust in him, knowing who the elect would be, knowing that it would be you. He knows all things. He ripped those pages out of the books that have all of our deeds recorded, and they were nailed on the cross with him. And that handwriting of requirement that was against you has been taken away, and Jesus has erased it, and he has forgiven it. It will not be brought up again. When you get to heaven, the Lord is not going to review your every sinful action if you are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad there's not going to be some movie reel rolling in heaven where everybody kind of stands by and watches all the sins that you committed in your life and he's like, now explain yourself here. No, that's not going to happen. It's been taken away. It's been wiped out. But if you seek to Stand before God without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Man, that is a bad situation. 
because you will have to answer for all of those deeds. And all of those deeds will be reviewed. And we know what Scripture says is that by the works of the flesh, no man shall be justified. You cannot work your way and earn your way into heaven. Well, you mean God doesn't care if I do good things? Oh, he, he wants you to do good things. But what about all the other things? What about all the other things you've done that are not right? How are you going to find forgiveness? How is that going to be taken away? He's a just judge. He's not a corrupt judge. He's a just judge. What do judges do? They look at the evidence. They hear the the testimony. And then then they carry out justice. They impose the law. And for those who seek to come before the Lord... Apart from Jesus Christ, then the law will be imposed upon them. In verse 13 of Revelation 20, there's the summons to appear before God. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. So what's the difference between the sea, death, and Hades? Nothing. (laughs) It's just a way to say everybody is going to go before the Lord. And they will be judged, as we've been discussing, according to his works. You don't want to do that. You want to be judged according to that righteousness that has come through Christ Jesus. Because when the Father will look at you, he will not see your sin. He will see the righteousness of God. When God created man in the beginning, he created him in his image. And that, that person, that mankind, is an eternal being. He has an eternal soul, and he's going to live forever somewhere. He's either going to live forever in the presence of the Lord, or he's going to live forever in a Christless eternity that we're about to read about here that is called the lake of fire. But this is a resurrection. This is the second resurrection. The sea, death, and Hades is going to give them up. From From the beginning of creation until that last day, all of mankind will come and they will answer to God. What a sobering thing that will be to have to give an account. All of mankind. And and what we read in this passage here is it doesn't matter who you are. All people. It doesn't matter if you're a king or you're a subject. If you're rich or you're poor, educated or uneducated. A good guy or a bad guy. Everybody's going to appear before the Lord and give an account for the way in which they have lived their life. In Acts 24, verse 15, it says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Or in John 5, 28 and 29, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The Bible's clear. Old Testament to New Testament. Epistles, Gospels, um, and, and the prophetic books, they all talk about the judgment that's going to happen. Now you can say, well, I don't believe in it, but it doesn't change reality. It doesn't change what God has been so faithful and kind to warn us about. It is an awesome thought to consider Men standing before God without the hope of vindication because they've rejected the way and the truth and the life. They will be sent off into eternity with a body prepared for eternity of some sort, of some kind. 
At this current time, souls are awaiting judgment in Hades. And we have this account in, in um, a, a story that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 16. Turn with me over there. I want to read this. I want all of us to go to this, this passage. It's Luke 16, and it's verses 19 through 31. It's a story about the rich man and Lazarus. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at the gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It's just a pitiful sight we have here, isn't it? Verse 22, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, so that's the grave, Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to you. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said, listen to this, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And who's the one that rose from the dead? It's Jesus. And they still reject him. Men still reject him to this very day. But you see, there's this place that, that exists called Hades. And in Hades, you had the place of torment and the place of comfort, which was called Abraham's bosom. Those that died in faith went to this place. But those that died outside of faith, they went to this place of torment. That's where the souls of men are right now who have died outside of Jesus Christ. One day they will be resurrected. They will see, will give up the dead. Death in Hades will give up the dead. And they will come and appear before this great white throne judgment, where they will receive sentencing. They've already committed. They've already been convicted. They're in the place of, of, uh, of, of waiting, but now sentencing is going to come. Verses 14 and 15 here in Revelation 20 says, then, the death, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. What does that mean? Well, if you're only born physically and you are never born again and have faith in Jesus Christ, then you will die physically and then you will die in this event spiritually for all of eternity. But if you are born twice, physically and spiritually, then you go straight into the presence of the Lord and you only die that physical death. So what's happening? Well, the earth is melting with the fervent heat. God creates a special courtroom to judge mankind called the Great White Throne Judgment. 
The redeemed are standing with their advocate, Jesus. Men are raised from the dead. Books are opened, recording their sinful deeds. And God passes his final word of judgment upon them. He casts them into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. And that is where the false prophet and the Antichrist are. That's where the, uh, Satan and his, all of his fallen uh, angels will go with him. This lake of fire is always referred to as a place of terrible destruction. Matthew 25, 30. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Or Mark 9, 43-44. If, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and fire is not quenched. You see, this is why the Lord came to earth was to, to save mankind. It's very hard for our minds to imagine 50 years of torment, let alone 50 million or 50 trillion years or eternity. And that has caused some people to say, well, I don't believe that God would punish somebody for all of eternity. Well, you can say that, but that doesn't change Scripture. The same word that's used for eternal life, eternal, is the same word that's used for eternal death. We talk about God being an eternal being. It's the same word. People who want to say that there is no eternal judgment, they say they can't conceive of a God that would allow people to be judged. Which I like to ask the question, can you conceive of a God that would allow somebody to be judged for at least 6,000 years? Because that's where men who have died without faith in the Lord have been for the last 6,000 years in that place of torment that Jesus described. So you can conceive of a God that would allow for 6,000 years, but you can't conceive of a God in his word who said it would be forever? You see, at this point in time, we're allowing our emotions and our own senses to guide Scripture. I get it. It's a hard thing to hear and to ponder. But God is the one who speaks truth. God is the one who gets to tell us the way things are. If you're a Christian, I pray that you're moved with compassion, knowing that this day is coming. That I'm moved with compassion, that we'll open our mouths and preach as we ought. If you're not a believer, I want you to know that the Lord has been holding off, waiting for you. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is in no hurry to send anybody to hell. And I'm sorry if you've ever ran into a Christian or you've ever heard a pastor or preacher that made it sound like God's excited to throw people into hell. That is not what we read in Scripture. We just read it right there. He's not willing that any should suffer or perish. That's why he's been waiting 2,000 years. It's for all to come to repentance. What does the Lord say to you? What does he say to me? Well, Isaiah chapter 1 says, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
If you're willing and obedient, you can eat the good of the land. But you see, it comes down to this matter of your will. God has already stated his will. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But what's your will? What will you say? What will you do with Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for you? You can ignore him and act like you don't have to deal with it. But one day you will be called up if you die without the Lord. So you need to make a confession. You need, as a matter of your will, to commit your life to following Jesus Christ. To admit, yes, I am a sinner. And I need forgiveness. That's what you got to do. I had to do it. Anybody who's ever had faith in the Lord has had to do this. So that's what we call, that's what the Lord calls you to do, is make this decision as a matter of your will. And you can say, well, I hope so, I think so. Well, nobody has ever gotten married by saying, I hope so, or I think so. I've done a lot of weddings over the, the last 28 years of being in, in ministry, 29 years. I've done a lot of weddings. There comes a point in every one of those weddings, I, I say, do you take this man, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded husband or wife? And every single time I've done a wedding so far, both of those people have said, I do. Do you know what I do is? That's a declaration of their will to enter into a relationship with them. You, me, all of mankind must make a declaration of their will. God will not grab you by the back of your, your clothes and drag you into heaven saying, I know you don't want to come, but it's the best thing for you. He won't do that because he wants people to respond to him in love. He doesn't coerce and he doesn't force. He's a gentleman. And that gentleman is offering eternal life. And if you don't know the Lord, then you need to, right at this moment, pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and to write your name in that book of life where that name can never be removed, can never be blotted out. And you can have the hope of eternity and being with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And that you have sent your Son to die on the cross for us, to redeem us. Lord, we admit we, there's no way any of us could live a perfect life, even close. But Lord, you've sent your son who's led the perfect life. And in your grace and mercy and abundant love, you are willing and you have decreed that those who put their faith in him, that that righteousness will transfer to us. We just, we worship you, Lord. We say thank you. For we and all of mankind would be lost outside of that. If you know that you need Jesus Christ, whether you're listening to this five years after this message is given or you're driving down the road listening on the radio or wherever you are, if you you know you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior as a declaration of your mouth and said, I want Jesus, you need to do that right now. And you can do that. And he's willing to receive you. He's been waiting for you to come to him. You're like, well, that seems kind of easy. You're right. It's very easy for you. But Jesus did all the hard work. He's paid the price so that you can have eternal life. So I pray that you will have prayed that prayer. And if you did, email us or call the church. Let us know. If you're here in the parking lot, we'll be out here. Come up. Let us know you're getting your life right with the Lord. And we'll love to tell you how you can just grow in your faith with Jesus. But listen, well, we had just about enough sunlight to get this done here. 
I'm glad that you made it out. We look forward to seeing you again on Wednesday. I mean, uh, next Sunday, and uh, we'll reevaluate how it went tonight, make sure it, uh, everything worked during the evening time. But uh, so much better to even see you in the car. Um, again, look for our announcements to be coming out shortly about us uh, reintroducing, um, getting uh, back together in person. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, we'll probably start with an outdoor service. Um, outside of our cars, we'll have chairs set up in the parking lot and then a, kind of a real safe way to start entering back into um, in-person fellowship. So we'll let you know about the details and the dates for that. But the Lord bless you guys, and um, let's go out with this uh, song of worship. Mm-hmm.